This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. March 1st, March Madness. And who better to join me this morning? There we go. Somebody had put my microphone down there from yesterday. Good morning. Let's go through that again. Good morning. It's March Madness. It's March 1st. And who better to usher in March Madness than my good friend, South Alabama Hall of Famer, longtime coach, Ronnie Arrow. Good morning. Good morning, Lee. How, how long have you been doing this? How long do you get up uh, at <laughs> you got to be here you, ready to go at six? What you, time do you get here? I got to hear at four this morning. In the morning. Yes. I, uh, I guess I've been. Yeah, I've been coming in the morning show since I started with WKRG back in 1980. What were you doing in 1980? Where were you? Were you at San Jacinto? (laughs) I I wasn't up at 6 o'clock doing a radio (laughs) show. Well, this is what's really shocking to me, that Ronnie Arrow, and and I've had co-hosts come in when Mark's been out, and as most of you know, Mark is up in Birmingham with McGill Toolin, boys and girls. They start at 9 o'clock today. And and by the way, yesterday, the UMS Wright girls – uh, lost to Priceville. We'll we'll talk about that during the morning as the uh, high school athletic association tournament continues in Birmingham. But I couldn't believe it when I heard the knock on the door at 5:42 this morning. And because you've always told me you never wanted to come on before 6:50, and here he is in the flesh, live and ready to go at 5:40 this morning. I kept thinking I was going to oversleep. Were you thrown out of the house? No, no. Uh, uh, Nelda wasn't up yet. But uh, she did roll over and say goodbye, have fun. But, uh, no, uh, I couldn't sleep anyway, thinking that I was going to oversleep. And all of a sudden, it would be 9 o'clock, and I'd call you up and say, sorry about that, Lee. <laughs> so uh, I decided to uh, get here early, come in, uh, act like a news broadcaster, and uh, have my notes and ready to go. You even beat our producer, Nick. That's hard to do because, as you know, Nick is – He's ready to go always in here on time. Good morning, Nick. Hello. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> sorry, I woke him up. I'm sorry I woke him up. Nick, Nick doesn't get going for a while, and uh, he's all excited because we're going to have – I'll go through the guest list today. Bob Rathman, the voice of the Hawks. They lost last night, though, to Washington. Quinn Snyder's first game. Quinn played for me in the sports festival no, come around on. 91 uh, in Houston. And uh, we had a heck of a team, but uh, yeah, it, it was it was uh, real interesting that team that we had, and he was one of the top players, uh, needless to say. And uh, so we go back, haven't talked to him in a long time, but uh, he might even forgot that he played on that team. Do you have on speed dial? <laughs> I haven't talked to I haven't talked to him. You know in a what though, time. you do ha- you did line up a couple of pretty neat guests today. I hope they're up. <laughs> Who'd you get? Who'd you get? Who, who's going to join us today? Bobby Champagne, who is on the staff with Kelvin Sampson at University of Houston, who just happens to be the number one team in the nation right now. Uh, last week, Nell and I went uh, back to Houston, uh, to our home there on Lake Conroe, and we went to practice. Bobby decided, uh, you know, knew that I was coming in, said, why don't you come by for practice or a game? And so I went, and Terrence Brodnack, who played on our 89 team, was there. 
he looked good. He looked like he could be playing right now. So it was good to see Bobby and Terrence and see the number one team in the nation practice. And, boy, they are very, very talented. They've they, The Sasser kid uh, is one of the top players in the country. He can really score. And then they have a freshman, Walker, um, that had, I think, 13 or 14 rebounds last night as a freshman. And, again, I'd be interested to hear Bobby's uh, opinion of Alabama because Alabama, as you know, went to Houston and defeated them. We're going to get to the uh, latest on Alabama. But you have another guest coming on at 830? Well, we, we have uh, Jeff Hodge of uh, Peanut Butter fame. Uh, we're still looking for Junie Jelly. Uh, you, you know the old uh, 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 TV show, uh, Car 54, Where Are You? Oh, I do this remember. Is, this is Junie, Where Are You? Uh, we tried. I tried yesterday three or four different numbers, but, hey, he might call in, just uh, found out about it. We're also going to talk with Luis Gonzalez, another South Alabama Hall of Famer. I don't think he needs any introduction. I assume he's at spring training. Want to get Louis' take on the uh, new rules in baseball. Chris Stewart, the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide. They host Auburn tonight. That'll be a 6 o'clock game on WNSP. So some of the guests we have lined up today. Giveaways. We're going to give away four South Alabama baseball tickets for Saturday's game at uh, Eddie Stanky Field. So be listening for that. Uh, Nick, are we giving away boat, boat show tickets today? He says yes. So we'll do that when we give away our Chick-fil-A. So those are the giveaways. Many, many thanks to Coach Ronnie Arrow for coming in to join us. When I know when I knew that Mark would not be available, March Madness, do you, do you feel it? Best time of the year. You know, you can have the Super Bowls. You can have all those other ones. But the best time of the year, as far as I'm concerned, is the rush to the Final Four, which is actually going to be in Houston this year. And wouldn't that be something? University of Houston go all the way, and they'll be playing before a home crowd. That would be unbelievable. You and I talked before the year, and I, I asked you if you missed coaching, and you, you said, you know, the preparation but not the games. And I, I want you to hold your thought on this. I wonder how Nate Oates – is feeling right now as far as the season during his press conference to preview Alabama Auburn yesterday, which by the way, will carry at six o'clock tonight. He blamed himself for the controversial pregame introduction where walk on Adam Cottrell patted down Brandon Miller before Saturday's game against Arkansas. Oates says his players told him the intro was simulating a person getting checked by the Transportation Security Administration as they clear through security before boarding a flight. Oates says the players explain that when TSA checks you before you get on a plane, and now Brandon's cleared for takeoff. That was his interpretation from the players as to the pregame that generated, generated a lot of controversy in lieu of you know, the tragedy up there in Tuscaloosa. Oates says he addressed it as a team— they immediately understood how it was interpreted in bad taste. And he said, quote, I can assure you it will not happen again. Uh, Oates admitted he does not watch player introductions, but called Miller's pregame ritual inappropriate. This has been going on for a while. This just wasn't done last Saturday. And I wonder, you know, all the pressures that go with being a one or a two team, and uh, basically they only need one win to win the SEC to have all this drama around him as a coach. I, I don't know. I know you've had titles won before. I don't know if you've had 
I know you didn't have any tragedies uh, where, there was, where somebody was uh, shot to death, but you've had player uh, moments. I, had I remember issues. you've had we, issues. Yeah, so, some of the major times that I didn't want to hear because I used to tell my assistants, do not call me early in the morning. And I'm talking about two or three in the morning uh, unless there's something major, major that uh, I need to know about. And uh, luckily in the years that I coached, I didn't have uh, very many at two or three o'clock in the morning phone calls. But, you know, uh, these kids now, and I call them kids, they're grown men just about. They're getting NIL money. They're getting big-time money. That doesn't mean that they're not going to still have the mentality of 18- and 19-year-old kids. So just because they get this big money on NIL money does not mean that they're not going to do some crazy things now and then. And I tell you what, I think a lot of Coach Oates, I only met him once, but he's a class guy, very good basketball coach, and rightfully so for him to come in and say, this is on me, either myself or one of my assistants should have cleared this and knew that it was going to happen, and then they wouldn't have got into all that. Did you know everything that went on when you were coaching, either here, San Jacinto, Texas? Did anything ever come up where you was like, why didn't you guys tell me? Or how come you don't? I didn't want to know everything. You didn't? No. I didn't, want to know, I didn't want to know everything. Like I said, there's some things that uh, kids are going to be kids. And, again, I didn't want to know something. If it was major, I needed to know. But if it was just something, a little uh, brush fire that they could put out, uh, take care of it. All right. You've crossed paths. You were on Mike Davis's staff at Texas Southern. His son, Antoine Davis, fired in 38 points last night for Detroit Mercy, opening game of the Horizon League tournament. He is, I think, 24, 26 away from breaking Pete Maravich's all-time record. Did you know Antoine Davis when you were at Texas Southern? I, I did. He was just a youngster then. I mean, he was like in the uh, ninth. No, he was probably in the sixth, seventh, eighth grade then. Uh, very Even then, he could shoot the ball. He used to come out there, and uh, he would work, not work out, but he would be one of the – uh, sometimes we would put him on the team, the press team that uh, we were going against uh, that team that night or that day. And he could shoot the ball then. But it was funny, when he first started, he went to John Lucas. If you have a son or daughter that you think is special, you need to send them to John Lucas's camp in Houston. He, he used to have them all over. I don't know if he still does or not. He will put them through everything that they need to be put through. Well, when he first went there as a youngster, he didn't want to go back. Uh, but you can see uh, what he became. Great family, great family. He also, Mike, has another son that also is assistant coach uh, for him there, also at Detroit Mercy. So uh, very happy for uh, Antoine, well-deserved. You know, some people are saying, well, it's not really fair because what Pistol Pete did in 83 games – um, uh, Antoine did uh, in uh, five years in 142 games. So there's a big difference there. But the bottom line is that's two major, major good records that you need to look at. To compare them to Pistol Pete, yeah, uh, you go back, you know, who who's the best ever played? Who's the uh, GOAT in the NBA? So it goes back to the same thing. Uh 
probably in the era that you brought were brought up in is the one that you're going to think was the best player. Maravich came into college basketball with a huge reputation. Obviously, they knew all about him. Uh, he went with his dad to LSU. There was a lot of hoopla around him. Antoine Davis has come out of nowhere. I mean, I think most people didn't even know, first of all, much about Detroit Mercy. I did because I once visited that campus when Dick Vitale was coaching. But that's a long time ago. And they're under the radar. They're like 13 and 18 or something like that. They play Youngstown Thursday, the top seed. Let's say he falls short by a few points, which would end their season. But they have these third and fourth type tournaments. What I obviously have the NCAA and the NIT. They're not going there. But they have these other tournaments which you can pay your way in. Do you think Mike Davis would try to get Detroit in to get his son the record? I think Mike would be coming out of his pocket to make that happen and uh, well-deserved, hopefully, because in those tournaments, it's mostly about money. You can buy your way into those tournaments. And the bottom line is what they're looking for is not only to help him break the record but also get their uh, name of their school out in there in the open in another tournament. Not many people know this about Ronnie Arrow, but he was a one-time catcher in <laughs> high school. Yesterday, and I'm – what's that? Oh, that that's yeah. where I got hit catching hit, my catch finger. It, right. I need to get it straightened so, out. So um, there was a baseball game. Baseball's had some crazy things this early spring training. Uh, we'll get to that. I'll tease coming out as we'll go to the uh, scoreboard and the weather and the traffic where a catcher was calling balls and strikes yesterday. Ronnie, we'll talk about that. We're going to hear from Nate Oates when we come back. Let's take a break now. This is the opening kickoff Wednesday. It's March 1st, 73 degrees. Ronnie Arrow sitting in for Mark Heim. Nick's behind the glass. I'm Lee Shervanian. We're coming right back with traffic, weather, and a scoreboard on WNSP and WNSP.com. Hey, this is Jimmy Ripple from Gator Boys, and you're listening to WNSP on 105.5. That situation's on me. We addressed as a team. As soon as I brought it up to them, they immediately understood how it could be interpreted, and we all felt awful about it. They explained to me that it's like when TSA checks you before you get on a plane. And now Brandon's cleared for takeoff. We as the adults in the room should have been more sensitive to how it could have been interpreted. Nate Oates and Ronnie, no matter what you say, do or think, this is going to be an issue right into the NCAA tournament. Uh, some, and and it's, it's an issue maybe more side, even more side, more so outside the state of Alabama, because anytime you go on the Internet site, CBS, ESPN, somebody's writing something about it, and no matter what Nate Oates does, says, or thinks, uh, this will be an issue. And here's the deal. Again, players were not made available yesterday. The players have not been interviewed. They're not allowing their players. But once you get to the NCAA tournament, you have no choice. Yeah, but I'm sure that they've been uh, worked on on for what to say and what not to say. But Probably, and I hope I'm wrong, the worst part is still ahead because every time they go on the court, they're going to have crazy fans from the enemy's team that they're going to be playing that will probably be standing up in the stands patting people down. And it's going to come back. It's going to come back. And it's unfortunate because it takes away – you know, you can do some things in the stands and that, but 
a lot of that stuff needs to be left at the door. Ronnie, are you close to the age of 65? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Are you close? Yeah, yeah I'm close. All right, what do good. you consider close? Uh, are you on the company insurance and trying to decide between your current coverage and Medicare, <laughs> or maybe you want to change your Medicare coverage? All right. Aid Marks, a Medicare insurance advisor's has been in the Medicare business for more than 12 years. An independent agent, Aiden Marks, works with mobile carriers. He has helped hundreds of individuals in Mobile and Baldwin counties. His office, located in Daphne, Highway 98, across from Terry Thompson Chevrolet. You can go see him or set up a remote meeting, or he can come to you. There's never a fee for his services. Give him a call at 463-0031. That's 463-0031. Or check out the website, medicareinsuranceadvisors.com. So I teased coming in, Ronnie Arrow sitting in from Arkheim, who's away, of course, up in Birmingham with the uh, McGill Toolin team. So Ronnie and I, over the years, have had discussions, well, many discussions. My gosh, we were together for many, many years. And baseball would come up, and, and Ronnie <laughs> doesn't like to admit it, but he did play baseball, but he's not a big fan. So yesterday, listen to this. The Baltimore Orioles and the Pittsburgh Pirates are playing an exhibition game. The Orioles were batting in the top of the ninth inning, Ronnie. And they failed to close the gap. They lost 7-4. to four. The umpires walked off the field. But the Pirates and the Orioles wanted to continue playing, even though the game you would call officially over with, because they wanted to give more playing time to maybe some of the, some of the players. There was one pitcher in particular. So they played the bottom of the ninth inning without umpires. And who was calling balls and strikes? The catcher. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I'm sure he wasn't prejudiced too much uh, against it. But the bottom on that one, you know, they did it because they wanted the players to get some extra work. Do you think that the officials didn't need extra work? They should have stayed after too. Uh, Good point. Yeah, no, Who I, says I mean, you don't know baseball? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have you do the interview with Luis Gonzalez. Oh, my gosh. Hey, what a class guy he is. Uh, he was here when, when, when I was here. But anyway, uh, when Louis comes on, what a phenomenal, phenomenal person he is and what a career he's had both at uh, South Alabama and in the pros. And uh, nothing but the best for him. Do you know John Shire, the uh, Duke coach? No. He did something Mike Krzyzewski, well, took a long time to do. John Shire has become the first head coach in the ACC to go undefeated at home. Think about all the great coaches they've had. And your first year to go undefeated at home. And as I said yesterday, Duke's been flying under the radar. You don't hear much about him now without Coach K. It took Coach K six years to go undefeated at home. And they Duke had not been undefeated at home since 2013, 2014. Did you ever go undefeated at home? We went undefeated in a season. In 86, we were 36-0 and national What a champions. feeling that must have been. You know what? People asked me about that, and we never thought about the undefeated season. We just wanted to win the national championship. And uh, we had Liddell Eccles uh, on that team that played in the pros for a number of years, went on to University of New Orleans from San Jack and had a phenomenal uh, uh, career there. But uh, it's, it's always interesting uh, on those parts. Let me ask you a question. When did you come to South, 87 or 88? 86, 87. You came to South. Yeah. If he had waited, 
could you have lured him to South Alabama? Would it have been a package deal? I think so. Now, he loved Louisiana, and he was from Lafayette. So uh, I was surprised LSU didn't come. He was the National Junior College Player of the Year that year and helped us go undefeated and had a phenomenal, phenomenal. He could really, really shoot the ball. Could he shoot it as well as Jeff? That would have been interesting to watch a horse game between them. Did you watch the Super Bowl? Parts. Where the parts players were slipping? Yeah. Well, the guy that's been labeled the sod father, one of the, I guess, the legendary groundskeeper, George Toma, you know, that was a big issue about the players slipping, sliding, and having to change their cleats. So he's actually held a press conference or at least issued what he thought was the problem because there's been all sorts of theories on why the surface was so slippery. He says basically it was very simple. It could have been prevented that the groundskeepers watered the field Wednesday, but instead of letting the grass dry out, they rolled it up to go into the stadium still wet. They never allowed it to lay in the sun and dry out before they rolled it into the stadium. He blames the NFL field director for that mess because, first of all, Oklahoma State was being accused. Then it was somebody said, well, they put, I don't know, something else on the uh, the new turf. When something like that happens, the bottom line is it happened. And you can point fingers wherever you want to, hopefully, that they got it settled. So if it ever happens again, either there or at another site, uh, somebody will be smart enough to leave it out uh, in the sun to dry out. We have a first-time guest coming up, the Foley women's basketball coach. Emily Flanagan is going to join us because they're playing tomorrow in Birmingham for the uh, girls 7A semifinal. Stay tuned for that. It is 58-38. The lead right now for Detroit Mercy. Davis with the ball on the string here. Chunkui has been on him pretty much the whole series this year. Muscles it through. Davis has... Antoine Davis. He has become a blast, not from the past, but for the present. Because unlike Pistol Pete Maravich, who went to LSU highly publicized and he didn't play his freshman year he couldn't plus they didn't have the three-point shot and they didn't have the shot clock average 44 points but here's Antoine Davis now on the doorstep of setting a new scoring record he needs what did I say 25 points 25 points yeah. now again he had 38 he had 38 last night against Purdue Fort Wayne Fort, yeah. that's in the horizon league they started we're in March Madness now they started the tournament so they're playing Youngstown State. That's the number one seed. They're not going to any major. They're not going to the NIT or NCAA. So I'm curious, if he doesn't get it, does Detroit shell out money to try to get into one of these third-tier tournaments? You know, what are the CIBA or something like that? There's no there's no reason why they shouldn't shell out the money. Their name, uh, Detroit Mercy, gets out there every time he plays, which it wouldn't be in the past. But what are, what are both of them uh, Pistol Pete and Antoine have in common. Both played college ball for their fathers. You're sharp today. <laughs> for somebody who came in at 540, you are really sharp. I'm Isn't that a, something? And what, gotta, a special, what a special feeling that must be for the coaches to coach their sons. 
And uh, it's, it's always nice to be able to coach young men, young women, and you go back and reflect once you get out of coaching. But uh, to be able to coach your own son or daughter uh, is special. Hey, let's talk with a coach. Emily Flanagan, she is the head basketball coach at Foley High School. Uh, they'll be competing tomorrow against Sparkman 7A girls semifinal. Emily, welcome to the opening kickoff. Good morning. How are you today? Hey, good morning. How are y'all? Pretty good. You up in Birmingham yet? Uh, we're leaving today. So what's the game plan for the uh, Foley Lions to get ready for this game against Sparkman? Uh, well, thus far we've been get, we've been doing two a days. Um, so we've been getting up at six o'clock in the morning um, to make sure that you know we're up and ready and can play in the you know during the midday. Um, and then, uh, well, for for the actual game plan, you know, we're going to do our best with you know defense first, um, trying to um, keep them off the balance as much as possible. And then um, after that, you know, on the offensive side, we're going to try to make sure that we can do our transition, um, pass the ball very well. Um, and then, you know, if they try to press us or anything like that, you know, just take take control of the ball and take care of the ball, um, looking first and, you know, do what we need to do. And also finishing at the rim. And then if we have to go to the free throw lines, trying to make sure those, those things happen as well. Emily, let me ask you, when the season began – Privately, did you think this team had a chance to get this far? Um, for me, yes. Um, this these, this group is a really a special group. Um, um, just, I mean, I have a, you know, I, I didn't think that, you know, with the seven of us, you know, like people would think that we can do, do it. But, you know, just seeing how well they play together, just seeing how you know determined that they are, um, I just think that we could have had a chance. You know, just as long as you know we stay healthy and do what we needed to do. You know, anything is possible. Is this a senior-laden group? Um, I do have one senior. Um, she's been here uh, and she's played all four years in the varsity level. Um, but the rest of them, you know, we've got one junior who's a starter, and then the rest of them are freshmen and. Um, sophomore and a sophomore uh emily this is uh ronnie era i have a, a couple questions uh for you number one did i hear you right and you say that you are having two a days yes sir okay uh how many days have you done that um uh, well we started since um postseason started okay. um so uh we do two two days out of the week you know, we try to do Monday and Tuesday so they have the rest of the week um, to kind of get to, you know, make sure they're, you know, just worried about school and stuff. Um, but how yeah. how long are the sessions? Uh, it was just one hour at the beginning, the, that first hour. So just kind of just getting up, you know, getting up early in the morning, just kind of um, doing just regular skill and drills. Um, you know, nothing, you know, nothing about the play itself. It's just about them. You know, ball handling, um, just making sure layups are, you know, crisp, um, trying to uh, make sure that we have enough shots, you know, put up um, just for that morning practice. You might start a new fad because this time of the year, I, I've never heard of anybody doing two-a-days. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as long as the girls are, are doing it and buying into it, um, 
that's special. That's a tribute to you and to your program for them being able to come in at six o'clock in the morning. That's a little bit different than we did. We never practiced that early unless it was for discipline reasons. Uh, But I will say this, Emily, used to practice late at night on occasion after games. Uh, Only when we didn't play well, but um, that's a, I've never heard of that before, but just doing it for an hour and coming back for another hour. uh, Good for y'all for doing that. Thank you. Thank you. Emily, we want to wish you the best. Good luck. I hope you make it to that championship game. That would be quite a story down there in Foley. Yes, sir. That would be. And I, I appreciate you guys for having me on and having us on um, to just, you know, showing, you know, what we can do. Thank you so much. You better yeah. believe it. And enjoy yourself. It goes fast. <laughs> yes, sir. We're, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was. Thank you, Emily. It's Emily Flanagan Foley. I wasn't responsible, but why can I never put this 90-minute practice after you lost to Coastal Carolina out of my mind and getting out to the hotel room after, like, midnight. And then I guess the NCAA later on came and said, you can't practice after a game. Yeah, I don't Why think can I was, not get that out of yeah, my mind? I don't think that was the Ronnie Arrow rule that they came in and, and did that. I think you told me that you were hungry. You wanted to go eat. Uh, <laughs> can't blame me. <laughs> I had eaten almost all day. But we played better after that game. Uh, so yeah, you know, hey, crazy coaches, uh, you got to be a little crazy to uh, to coach. There's a lot of things that are put into it that individuals uh, up in the stands don't understand what coaches go through. It's like any other manager of a business. Crazy things happen during the course of the year, and it's special because I had somebody tell me. Ronnie, I wouldn't want to do what you do when your livelihood depends on 18- and 19-year-old decisions. And, uh, you know, the bottom line is is that everybody has their special thing that they want to go into. Mine was coaching. I enjoyed it. But you never could really enjoy it to its fullest magnitude because you're always – if it was recruiting season, you had to go sign somebody. If you're playing in postseason, you had to win that game to advance and so on and so forth. Ronnie, why don't we take an early break here? That way we'll have more time with Bobby Champagne, who is in Houston with the Cougars, the number one ranked team in the nation. One of their very, very few losses to Alabama. Bobby, of course, played for you. I, he coached for a number of years at North Alabama, North right? North Alabama. The head coach uh-huh. up there. Did and when we there. And when we come back, we're going to have a Chick-fil-A giveaway. You can win a gift card from Chick-fil-A. And you can also win two tickets to the boat show, which is coming up this weekend at the convention center. Coach Arrow sitting in for Mark Heim. It's the start of March Madness officially. See, yesterday, I don't know if we'll be able to find it. If Nick's pretty good at stuff. There was a guy in Bucknell who hit a shot from the opposing free throw line. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll take a break and hope that Coach Champagne will join us from Houston. This is WNSP and WNSP.com. Hi, this is Monty Burke, author of Saban, The Making of a Coach. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Suddenly. What do you think? You like that? <laughs> I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. Hey, they, if y'all haven't tried their soup, I forgot what kind of sort of a beef 
Stroney's soup. It is really good. And they only have it during the winter. Nick, you hearing that? So if I can get you a soup card, you're okay with that? Yeah, I could probably make that work. Okay. He's he's on a, a different type of diet now, so I, I forgot about that. I apologize to you, Nick. All right, here's your question for the Chick-fil-A. Plus, how many? Two tickets to the boat show, right, Nick? Okay. Um, I don't know anything about boats. I don't either. Yeah. I know they're a lot of work. <laughs> they are. They're a lot of work, but yeah. a lot of people have them. If, yeah, they're great if you use them, just like a pool. If you don't use them, they're a big pain. Here's your question. Antoine Davis, he's the big guy in sports right now in college basketball, 25 points away from breaking Pistol Pete Maravich's all-time NCAA scoring record. His father is Mike Davis. Mike Davis is the coach of Detroit Mercy. Mike played at Alabama and has had several head coaching positions. Name the school that he took to the Final Four. Of all the coaching jobs he's had, he took one to the Ooh. Final Four. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not. You don't, can't do okay. it. All right. Why don't you introduce our guest? Well. Uh, he's on. Go ahead. Bobby? Yeah. Hey, Bobby. Bobby, how you doing? Well, he has a last name. Introduce him. Coach Champagne, who played for us on that 89 team and uh, after that became graduate assistant. Uh, how are you doing in Houston? Oh, Coach, I'm doing good. Good. I'm glad you're up this early. Uh, you know, I don't know what time you guys started your show, but I've been up for quite a while, and that's usually how we get started here. Well, we get up early and get going. Well, that's good. I tell you what, what a privilege uh, that it is in your situation to be in a program like the University of Houston. I knew, I know that you knew Kelvin and worked for Kelvin at University of Oklahoma, but. What do you what have you gained from him in his total program there? What a phenomenal job y'all have done! Um, I love y'all's slogan for the city, uh, number one team in the nation. Uh, what do you attribute that to? Attribute uh, it to the culture. I know that word gets tossed around a lot uh, with people, but um, it's something that uh, our team, our program, everybody who's in the Guy B. Lewis uh, Center, uh, live by every day. You know, there's certain standards that we um, we uphold, uh, standards that the team upholds from a, a playing standpoint. Coach always talks about it during the game. I don't care what the score is. You know, we need to be doing this, this, and this. So whether we're, you know, up by up by 20 on the road or in a five-point, five four-point ball game with a couple minutes ago there's certain things that that we need to do and that uh i think that's why i attribute to the probably the other thing is that every opponent uh is treated the same way in scouting reports and preparation so whether we're we're getting ready for for uh, memphis on the last game of the the season um or we're getting ready for mcneese state the last game before um christmas break we treat the preparation the same way. So tell us, um, uh, tell us a little bit about Sasser. And I saw Will Walker had what fourteen rebounds the other night. Who's a freshman? Yeah, Jarris, Jarris, a freshman. Uh, he's he's had kind of a, a freshman year where he's uh, he's been uh, he's been a lottery pick one night and then then a typical freshman another. But uh, he's he's uh, he's a really really talented kid, um, Sasser. Sasser, preseason All-American, 
Um, you know, he he was, I think, averaging about 20 a game last year when um, right at the Christmas break and broke his foot and we lost him for the season. Uh, it was kind of a kind of a bad Christmas uh, last year. Uh, Sasser and, and Tremont Martin. Sasser broke, uh, told Coach he broke his foot, and, and Tremont Mark had shoulder surgery on the same day. I oh, think it was wow. like December 23rd or 24th. Coach's so, nightmare. Um, what's that? Said a coach's nightmare. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we're we're, we're kind of rolling last year, and we lose lose our two, two of our better scores and thinking how are we going to win a game. And then um, those guys figured it out, and we got to the lead eight. But – that's a hardworking kid, man. puts in puts in the time. Uh, he's earned the right to make big shots because he's he's put the work in. Um, he, he's in the gym, like you know. Tonight, the day before, we play Wichita State, his senior night, and we'll go and watch film at coach's house and do a scout report. And, um, we usually done about eight eight thirty. Uh, and Sasha will go back to the guy B. He and a couple other guys will go back and get up a bunch of shots. Um, so he's he's dedicated to getting better. Bobby Champagne is our special guest. Uh, he was a head coach at North Alabama for a number of years and now is uh, director of operations, basketball strategy for the number one team in the nation. Bobby, good morning. Lee Shervanian, how are you? Lee, I'm doing good. Um, I was just thinking about this. The last time... You and I were on the radio together with um, 1987 in Orlando, Florida. We were playing Central Florida, and for some reason, the uh, pregame or halftime interview was me. I have no idea why that was, <laughs> but uh, I remember that interview. Hey, you're a special that guest interview. that like night. It was yesterday. Was everybody else <laughs> occupied, Bobby? <laughs> well, you were the only one left. <laughs> Bobby, I, I, I think, thought. I think, uh, Jeff, Jeff, and Junie had already been on like twenty times. Terrence Broadnick, <laughs> John Jimerson, and you know we just wanted to find out what what really goes on with the basketball team from down on the end of the bench. <laughs> let me let me wait a minute. I thought I interviewed you when you were North Alabama on occasion. No, I'm pretty uh, sure I did. Maybe, maybe, maybe you did. I but, did. But that interview at South Alabama is the one that that sticks out to me. So. I wanted to ask you because yeah. I think our listeners would be very would find out from your standpoint. Uh, Houston's had a very unique season. Your only losses, the two losses at home, one of course was the the, the game against Alabama. Uh, your thoughts on the Crimson Tide right now? And, and did you know when you played them? What did you see this team? You know, having the ability to go on and and win the SEC and so forth. Uh, yeah, they've got a lot of weapons. I mean, Brandon Miller is probably one of the, the, the if he is the best freshman in the country. Uh, Mark Sears is a tremendous uh, transfer. Um, they've got they've got the parts. So the, the guy that was really really phenomenal against us was uh, Clowney. Um, he 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 gave us fits on the boards and blocking shots and and those things. And then uh, they did a really good job defending uh, Marcus Sasser. Um, it's probably a game that, that helped us win a couple other games because we, we've been able to adjust when people guard Sasser the way they do. But, yeah, um, you know, Alabama's very talented, so I, I, didn't, I didn't think they were, were going to finish in the middle of the pack of, of the SEC, but what they've done is, is uh, pretty phenomenal uh, um, considering everything that's going on right now, too. So um, they're, they're very good. They've got a chance to make a, make a deep run in March. 
Talk about the fact, and, and Ronnie brought this up, that the NCAA Final Four is in Houston, and I assume you'll be the host school whether you're playing there or not. And I, 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 with expectations and pressure and everything to get there to represent the city in a, in a Final Four would be uh, speak volumes. Yeah, it's it's kind of the elephant in the room. Um, it, we 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 tried not to talk about, but we do talk about. I mean, Texas Southern, Houston, and Rice are are, are hosting the, the final four, um, and it, it it would be it would be great. Like Coach mentioned earlier, uh, we've got kind of a hashtag slogan for the city. Um, you know, we, we we try and represent. Uh, Houston and 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 what Houston is all about, and it would be uh, it would be kind of a storybook uh, deal for us to to play at home. I don't know, I'm not I'm not real up on the history, but I don't know how many how many teams have ever uh, gone to the Final Four in their in their own city. Um, there's only a couple teams, I guess, that that could do it, but we're one of them, I guess. Well, that would be that would be special if y'all could uh, uh, get to the final game and win that thing right there in Houston. Being from Houston, I grew up about eight miles from the University of Houston during Coach Lewis's era, and uh, I actually played high school ball with his son. So I used to walk over and watch them practice. So, it, uh, how how neat it would be for the city to win that whole thing. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, uh, things have kind of changed a little bit since you were you were coming to Hoffines. I think, Coach, you got a chance to come in our facility the other day. That's uh, for TV Center's pretty nice, isn't it? Oh, it was great. It was great seeing you and uh, seeing Terrence uh, Broadneck, who also played on the '89 team. He was the other guard with peanut butter and jelly. Had a really good career here. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, how special has that been? They say to win in college. You got to put the money in to win, and y'all have actually done that with y'all's facilities, or or as good as anywhere in the country now. Uh, how y'all fit all that in over there at the University of Houston? It seemed like that y'all just expanded the area that they had for all the facilities, but it, it is a phenomenal setup. And uh, Kelvin and and y'all, his staff. Um, y'all ought to be very proud, but I know that uh, it's just getting started now. Yeah, just getting started. We've got uh, two games, two games in regular season to go, and then next next weekend, uh, uh, American Conference tournament with Dickies, and um, I think uh, four out of the last five years, coach, coach, and, and the team have won uh, the regular season. Um, you know, last year went to the Elite Eight. Um, not the COVID year where the tournament was canceled, but the, the next year uh, in the final four. So it's been a, been a pretty good run for coaching the team. And uh, it's kind of nice just kind of be on, be on the ride with them. Bobby, we only got about a minute ago. Is that enough time to share a Ronnie Arrow story? I mean, you were on the bench, so you got to see him in uh, up front and uh, close and everything. Uh, share a story from that uh, championship year. Hey, Bobby, this is not a uh, roast now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, at, at some point in time in my life, I'm going to write a book, My Life in the Deuce, and um, um, on the sitting behind a windshield of a bus. But uh, there's too many stories of Coach. Um, the one, I, I mean, I kind of laughed. We laughed about it the other day. I asked him, I asked him how much it cost to uh, pay to re- 
replace the chalkboard in the Omni uh, because he, he about broke his, his hand uh, putting a hole in the chalkboard at halftime of the Alabama game. Uh, that's one uh, little-known fact is that I used to have to go to the store and buy peanuts for Coach, um, <laughs> keep him a supply in his office. They weren't for him. He was feeding the squirrels outside of Jaguar Gym. No. Yeah, I could knock on my yeah. window Come and there'd on. be squirrels coming blocks <laughs> for Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Is that an NCAA <laughs> violation, Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the the deal was I think that's how he kept his sanity, uh, you know, because he was he was dealing with uh, he was dealing with uh, Jeff and Junie and Terrence and Booby and Kevin McDaniel and all those all all those nuts, and so uh, he would uh, he would deal with the squirrels and kind of get a, a little meditation. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, let's set the stage again. Uh, We're here for the next two hours. This is Wednesday, March 1st. March Madness. And boy, I'll tell you, there's some crazy things been going on. Uh, Maybe none more so than Antoine Davis now just 25 points shy of breaking Pistol Pete Maravich's all-time scoring record. He has another game to go. Uh, We had uh, some guy from Bucknell hit a shot from the opposing free throw line yesterday. Uh, The Sunbelt Conference tournament is underway. And then we go pro basketball. And my good friend, one of the best uh, broadcasters in anybody's game, is Bob Rathbun. And he's the TV voice of the Atlanta Hawks, who made uh, the debut for uh, Quinn Snyder. Bob, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Hey, good morning, guys. It's great to be with you. Hey, Coach. Coach, how are you doing? It's been a while. Hey, I'm doing good, man. <laughs> I need Crazy some tickets. Old NBA, you know, never I need some tickets. <laughs> Can you help him out, Bob? He needs some tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, we Bob. Got you. We got, we'll put you right on Gucci Row. Gucci Row. There you go. I did not know that. Well, of course, there's a lot of things about Ronnie I don't know, but he coached uh, Quinn Snyder back when. Well, at the sports festival, right? at the sports festival in Houston, Texas, long time oh, ago. Oh wow, that's going back a few days. Long time ago, I, you could tell then that uh, he was going to be special, and not only playing, but as a person and as a coach. I mean, he he was uh, he got it done out there on the court. You often hear the expression "the smartest guy in the room." He really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's got his master's, his law degree, <laughs> I mean, a Duke undergrad degree, and not too many coaches walking around with their uh, JD. It's a, you've got that right. I know one that doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, I'm going to get a little bit serious. I'm going to throw you into the lap of our Hawk enthusiast who wears his hat and his clothing, the guy you just talked to. Uh, Nick, go ahead. Uh, hey, Bob. Um Hey, Nick. I guess, uh, let's see. How, how would you – I'm really excited about Quinn Snyder coming on. I think he was the best possible coaching candidate out there. How how excited are you for Quinn Snyder coming on, and what are you excited that he can bring uh, that maybe Nate McMillan and Lloyd Pierce before him didn't? Well, uh, first of all, I think 
I'm personally extremely excited because he's been a friend of mine since he was a junior at Duke. Uh, we have known each other since that point. I did a ton of his games uh, for Jefferson Pilot uh, back in the day with he and Danny Ferry. And, of course, he was our assistant coach uh, on, under Mike Budenholzer's staff, Mike's first year as the head coach of the Hawks. So, you know, we worked together very closely that one year before he left to go take over the Utah Jazz. So we, we've been pretty close through the years, and I'm particularly thrilled that he's here. I'm, I'm excited uh, to have a coach of his character and demeanor uh, and really take nothing away from, from Nate and, and from Lloyd, but every coach has their own way of doing things and their own personality. And it's not that one's better than the other. It's just, you know, in this league, it's all about fit and, and I think his intensity and the emotion, uh, just the energy that he brings to the sideline is something that this team needs right now. Uh, he found out last night the shortcomings of this team. He got it up close and personal. And he is one of those guys that is just going to go dive in with, uh, you know, everything he's got these next two days to get to know these guys and get to get on the practice court with them and get them ready for Friday night. So I'm excited personally. I, I think it's a, a boon for the Hawks to have a coach of his caliber to come in here. Uh, the stars were aligned to have a guy available like Quinn. It's kind of weird. You know, usually uh, these coaches aren't out of work, but uh, you know, Quinn had taken the time away to be with his family and kind of not burned out at Utah, but, they had a new ownership, a new direction, and he, he he was all in on the rebuild. But just he just needed some time away, and uh, he did that. the The batteries are recharged, and I thought you saw it last night. You know, the, it didn't take long for him to jump off of that bench and start coaching his team. And uh, you know, it's kind of like riding a bike. You know what to, what he wants, and and um, I, I think it's going to be a great thing for Atlanta. The the short term though is going to be a little painful and this is an unprecedented move in NBA history uh, we've went back over every year uh, of interim coaches and late season coaching changes and never has a team that's really trying to win and try to get into the playoffs made a coaching change like this this late in a season it's happened earlier in the season a lot of times but never this late so this is kind of from a coaching standpoint, uncharted water. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited about what's to come. Uh, I think Quinn Sire's a great fit with how he was able to transform Donovan Mitchell's game and work with a really defensive-minded center like Rudy Gobert. Um, so there, lately there's been some rumors going around that about Trey Young's character and that he's a coach killer. Uh, you're there closer than anyone. Can you help put some of those rumors to bed for us? Yeah, I disagree with that. I think it's uh, that's what happens with social media and um, things blow up and get out. You know, it's, it's hard to put toothpaste back in the tube. Uh, once people start talking like that, um, you know, you hear chatter on the NBA shows uh, about that. But I, I don't think that's the case. Uh, Trey is a very unique player, and every coach I think that he's ever had has tried to figure out 
a best way to incorporate what he does so well into the team uh, aspect. You don't get to second in the league in assists as he is today uh, by being a, a selfish player. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't understand how you can say that when he's the way that he is on the court. But what he does at his size is so unique that he's always played the same way. And I think the challenge for these coaches, whether it's Lloyd or Nate or now Quinn, Lon Kruger before him, is how do you incorporate this with the other four guys all the time that he's on the floor? Because he is used to playing one way. And the pro game, you it's very hard unless you're, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, to play the same way all the time, given his size and his defensive shortcomings and yada, 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 to make it work for a team. Nobody called Trey Young a coach killer or a selfish player when he was taking the Hawks to the Eastern Conference Finals somewhere they had never been before two years ago. Nate was the same coach then as he was last week. So it's it's very it's an interesting coaching challenge to be sure. But I think a lot of those rumors get out because of social media, and it kind of gets a life of its own. Bob Rathman is the voice, the TV voice of the Atlanta Hawks and a, and a real close friend and somebody I've known for a number of years. Hey, Bob, before uh, – let's get away from the Hawks for a second. Just a couple of NBA quick questions. Do the Lakers make the postseason with LeBron iffy right now? I think the big question is how badly is he hurt and how long is he going to be out? I am not sure they can make it uh, even to get into the play-in. Uh, with him, uh, it, with a long-term injury, uh, they're 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 pretty good. They're not. I don't think they're as bad as people made them out to be. But I also think that they're very limited without him. They pro- probably limp in. You know, New Orleans has collapsed. They've got so many injuries. There's no telling when Zion's coming back, and they just lost their spark plug uh, the uh, yesterday to injury. So. Um, Alvarado has gone down for a couple of weeks, so they're they're in a tough spot. Uh, they got to play at Portland, I think, tonight, and and they're they're in free fall. So they may back into the tenth spot or the ninth spot, but to make a, any kind of run in the playoffs without a healthy LeBron, I don't see it. The other big story unfolds tonight: Durant in the lineup for Phoenix. Uh, they're on the road, I believe, and I'm just kind of curious: yeah, is there, Charlotte. yeah, is there enough time? for him to fit in with the rest of that team and become a huge factor? I think so. Um, You know, the interesting part about this, in the old days, you know, quote-unquote old days, you know, you would make a midseason trade and very, very few worked out. Uh, You know, Mark Aguirre went to the Pistons, and and that was probably as celebrated a midseason trade. For exactly what you're talking about, Lee and, and Ronnie, and that is you're you're trying to integrate a major piece. You don't have training camp. You don't have the whole season behind you, and you're just throwing these guys in to uh, high-pressure games, high-stakes games, and how are they going to fit as a team? That was the old days. Today, everybody, to me, plays the same way. It's a completely dominant pick-and-roll league. 
you know, we may call it one thing and you may call it something else in terms of a play call, but we all do the same thing. So I think it is very easy now for players to fit in to a new team, especially a dynamic scorer like Kevin Durant, who at his size and his shooting ability is basically unstoppable at the offensive end. And they'll figure it out pretty quickly. You've got a very talented core, you know, with Booker, KD, Aiden, et cetera. This is a group that can really get it done offensively. To me, the question with Phoenix is not, can you fit Kevin Durant in? You can. Any team could do that. But do they have enough around him to make a deep run in the postseason? And by that, I mean they gave away so many good defensive players and so much of their depth in these trades with Dallas and, uh, excuse me, with the with Brooklyn, that I am just not sure, other than that iron core of starters, whether they have enough. Now, in the playoffs, maybe you can get away with a, with a really short rotation, but to me, that's the question for Phoenix. Do they have enough around those guys uh, for the long haul of the playoffs? Bob, can't thank you enough. I'm up against the clock now. We'll check in with you maybe next week. Thank you very much oh, for sure. joining us. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Bob, keep enjoying your journey. You All right. Uh, Bob Rathbun, the vo- TV voice of the Atlanta Hawks. When we come back, David Green of the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. Louis Gonzalez on deck at 730. New rules in baseball. How about playing a game without umpires? Well, it happened yesterday in Major League Baseball. For Ronnie Arrow, Nick Wiggins, I'm Lee Shervanian. This is March 1st, the opening kickoff. My name is Sherman Williams, former running back for the University of Alabama and the Dallas Cowboys. And I wake up each morning listening to WNSP 725 WNSP opening kickoff time. Ronnie Arrow sitting in for Mark Heim. I'm Lou Shervanian. We are joined by David Green of the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. David, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Doing well. Glad to be on there with the great Ronnie Arrow, my dear friend. <laughs> David, how are you doing? <laughs> hey, doing well. Had some great basketball yesterday. Did you? Unfortunately, did you... that's right. Didn't didn't. Wasn't able to pull it out, but it's a great team they played. I'll tell you for sure. Yeah, Terry's done a great job with uh, with that program. Did you have you won any uh, trials this week? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you just well, like I, a coach, man. I haven't tried anything this week, but uh, I know the guys and girls over there got some lined up. So we've uh, we've got some coming, and so uh, I'm well, sure we'll. I know you got a high win win loss record. Pardon? You got a high win loss record. You got a lot of wins. In your case. Oh, absolutely. 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 That's David, exactly right. I got a question for you because it certainly has happened to me. If I'm in a wreck with someone who doesn't have enough insurance, what do I do? Well, you know, I tell folks all the time this, and we all need to look at this and make sure it hasn't hasn't changed or your insurance company hasn't changed it by some some reason or mistake. You need to make sure that you have uninsured motorists or underinsured motorists. Basically, that's the same thing. You know, everyone says, well, in the state of Alabama, you're supposed to have insurance. Well, that's correct. 
but a lot of people just simply do not have it. A lot of people have it, but they don't have enough. So if you're severely injured in any way, you need to make sure that, that you've got enough coverage. And the way you do that is look at your policy, talk to your agent, make sure that you have, if you can afford more than the minimum coverage, make sure that you have more than minimum. Minimum in Alabama is 25,000, 50,000 per occurrence. If you can afford to have more coverage, please do have it. Please look at it because a lot of times folks have waived it and they don't even know they've waived it. And really they've only saved themselves about 40 or $50 a year in premium payments. It's something that's very, very important. Uninsured motorist, underinsured motorist, you got to have it. I wish the lady that ran into me about two years ago would have, would have taken heed to what you just said. <laughs> she had no insurance. <laughs> she had none. Well, I, I will say this, uh, David's, David's a good friend, and what a sincere person he is. He's a big supporter of high school athletics and, and uh, the local colleges around here. And David, we're just uh, happy to have you in this community doing what you do. Well, we appreciate it. You know, Ronnie, you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's a privilege to take care of folks. Uh, and, you know, thankfully we have guys like yourself that have stuck around. You could have gone a lot of places, but you chose to stay here. And for that, we're grateful. You've done a great, uh, a great work with all these kids. I know you helped KB, uh, our daughter, and a bunch of other uh, young ladies and young men. So we're, we're thankful for what you do as well. So we'll, let's work this thing together as a team and take care of folks in Mobile. There you go. David, uh, how can our listeners reach you or members of your staff? It's very simple. Uh, the Forbes building in downtown Birmingham, you can come by. Uh, you never need an appointment. Ben Warren up there is doing a great job uh, here in Mobile. Our main office, 51 North Florida Street. You never need an appointment at Green and Phillips. Come by anytime and uh, meet with the lawyers at Green and Phillips and go across the street and get you a burger at my friend uh, Roy's place at Butch Cassidy's. Very good. Hey, I really appreciate you coming aboard, David. Have a great day, and uh, we'll check in with you next week. Thanks for joining us. Take care. See you, Ronnie. When we come back, Luis Gonzalez. I assume Luis at spring spring training as the teams have gathered. There's some unbelievable stories happening so far with these new rules. And uh, the South Alabama Hall of Famer. And by the way, before we even talk to Luis, we're going to give away JAG baseball tickets for Saturday's game. You know, they have this... Uh, I'd say tournament. They've got, I don't know if it's a tournament so much, but they have teams coming in like Pepperdine, Iowa, and so forth. And so we'll give away tickets for the Saturday game. All those snowbirds coming south to play baseball where it needs to be played. You know, it's funny, though. You mentioned Pepperdine. You wouldn't think of Pepperdine as being a snowbird, but they had some awful weather. Alabama was supposed to go there last week. Auburn was supposed to go to Southern Cal. They had to change all that because of, I think they had snow out there. Like, this never happens. So Pepperdine comes to uh, Mobile uh, this weekend. Hopefully we'll have good weather for that. Oh, good, good. Yeah, uh, baseball. Did you you ever throw out a first pitch? You didn't know this, but my freshman year, I went to uh, Texas State on a basketball scholarship, but they found out I played high school baseball. So I played freshman baseball at Texas State, and then I just stuck with basketball after that. And here you used to get on me for baseball. <laughs> hey, they Would need you like to find to a way blocks? to score more points. They need to put runs, players, runs, yeah, runs, runs. They need to they need to put a person on second base and oh, third no, base. No, I don't want to hear third base. Get, get, shut his mic off. I don't. I I can't stand that runner at second base. All right, Louis Gonzalez. Move him to next. third then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
World Series. Bases loaded. Infield in. One out. Strike one. The one problem is Rivera throws inside the left-handers, and left-handers get a lot of broken bat hits in the shallow outfield, the shallow part of the outfield. That's the danger in bringing the infield in with a guy like Rivera on the mound. Florida, center field, the Diamondbacks are world champions. And a kind of iconic moment in Major League Baseball, one, of course, I'll never forget. And, and that, that particular broadcast featured Tim McCarver and the insight to Mariana Rivera, which delivers our next guest, uh, Luis Gonzalez. Louis, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good. You're on with another South Alabama Hall of Famer guy who knows his baseball but refuses to admit it, uh, Ronnie Arrow. But I, uh, hold on, because I want to give away four tickets for Saturday's game. All right, uh, Louis, has got his, Louis has got his number retired at South Alabama. All you have to do is call Nick, 694-1055, and tell him what number he wore. And then you get four tickets for the Jags game uh, this coming Saturday uh, at Eddie Stanky Field. Are you at spring training? I am. I am. I'll be heading over there probably uh, within the hour. It's pretty early here right now, but our guys start showing up around 7 in the morning and get ready to go. Louie, Ronnie Arrow, trying to, uh, having a pleasure oh, Joe, being here with you. you. Uh, do you ever get out there and, and uh, throw around and run around and hit around with them any? <laughs> Actually, I do more. I do more work with the team when they go on the road, and then I'll get in uniform and go to our minor league cities right now. And, and coach, I know you'll know this. The, the game has changed so much. There's so many coaches now for everything. Mm. <laughs> it seems like we got a hundred guys in uniform too, to be out there to, to be around the players. And uh, it's, it, I just don't want to get in the way. Uh, Randy Johnson also works with us too. So we wait till uh, after spring training, and then when our minor league guys head out to whatever cities they're going to, then uh, we'll go down there and spend a couple days in in the respective cities that they that they're at, and get in uniform, hang out with them during batting practice and all that, and then watch the game in the stands, and then after the game, go down and just kind of pick their brains a little bit to see what they're thinking and what they're doing. Randy, a lot nicer to be around these days. <laughs> he is. He is. He's. A, now i mean you know when he played he thrived on being the intimidator out there and he did a darn good job out of it you know he's a hall of famer so uh i always say it was nice playing with him i hated playing against him but uh every time he got the ball you felt like he had a chance to win the game there have been a lot of here we are just a week not even a full week into spring training there have been so many issues I wanted to get you on about the rule changes. How do you feel about the pitch clock and the, the batter being in the batter's box, I guess, within eight seconds? Uh, is this is this good for the game, or how do you feel about it? Well, I think, you know, we had a game the other day in uh, two hours and four minutes, and it would have been a lot quicker, but the pitcher had a, a minor injury there at the end, and they had to have a pitching change uh, at the end, but... You know, I tell you, it's it's uh, 
it's it, it'll work out. These guys are just trying to get the kinks out. Some of the hitters are not used to it. It's a new rule. That's why in spring training, they've told the umpires to call it whenever you see it. Don't uh, let the guys slide because if you do it now, then it's going to happen during the season. So, you know, for the most part, uh, it's been it's been uh, a lot crisper games of going, but you have seen a lot of violations and things like that for the most part because of guys just not uh, not really adapting to the rules yet. They, they're used to, you know, we're creatures of habit as athletes, and and once you do something for a long time, it's hard to break that string. I think the only the only uh, one that really has drawn a lot of attention is I think a game ended uh, a couple days back. Uh, maybe it was the Atlanta Braves with a uh, with an automatic strikeout with the bases loaded because the hitter wasn't ready. He saw the catcher standing up, and he assumed that when the catcher was standing up that he had more time instead of him squatting down, and and uh, the umpire called him automatically out. So, I heard an interview with Dusty Baker yesterday where he said the minor leaguers should adapt a lot quicker because they went through some of this, whereas the major leaguers who weren't used to it might have more difficulty. Yeah. And I, and I agree with that because uh, I've been going to minor league games the last few years and uh, it's been, it's those guys are really, uh, you know, they, they've been documenting all these games and, the game pace has really picked up by about a half an hour, a little bit more. And it really makes it a lot nicer, you know, for those guys to play a two and a half hour game instead of uh three and a half, four and a half, four hour games for us. So um, I think they just want to, you know, it's a new generation. They want to kind of try to keep the fans engaged in the game. It's going to affect the Dodger fans because they always, uh, come late and leave early so they might only get to see the middle part of the ball game the way those fans are but you know it it it, we always complain about it and then as time goes on then we adapt to it and then you don't hear any more about it see ronnie now you you'll have time you can watch a full game see (laughs) yeah but during that time yeah i'll be honest with you our team last (laughs) few years we we've averaged man our games were really long and, uh, you know, now hopefully with this new rule, rule change, it'll be uh, a lot quicker. We've got a lot of young guys on our team, and they're energetic. So we're pretty fired up about them and hope that they can uh, reach their potential a lot quicker. And, and uh, hopefully we can make a move to uh, get get in the playoffs or try to make the wild card. we got to compete against, uh, you know, the Padres who spent a ton of money this offseason. The Dodgers are always going to be there. But, uh we feel like we got a good young crop of kids that uh, if we keep them together for the next three, four years, we're going to be okay. Louis Gonzalez joining us this morning, uh, South Alabama Hall of Famer, uh, Ron Arrow sitting in for Mark Heim. Louis, are there any rules which you kind of feel shouldn't have been implemented? We got the shift, uh, you outlaw the shift, the throw over to first base on pickoffs, which I think your limit is two. We have the yeah. pitch clock. The pitcher, the batter, you got bigger bases, anything there, and you being the, the old school like I am, anything that bothers you? Uh, I think the, the, the rule that's going to be, uh, I'm kind of curious to see if guys steal more bases now with the uh, two pickovers to first, you know, because if you use those up early, then that the runner has a huge advantage to try to steal second or try to steal third. 
And I think that's just to try to get that running game back into the game of baseball. It's been eliminated a lot with a lot of, you know, power swings, a lot more strikeouts in the game. So I think the next thing they're going to do after this is try to figure out how to uh, eliminate the strikeouts because there's been so many strikeouts in the game of, of baseball. I mean, uh, and, and you don't like to throw this out there. I know Coach Arrow knows when you're an old school guy like I am and Coach Arrow is too. Um, I, I used to say if, if you didn't make contact, you weren't getting to the big leagues. I mean, if you're striking, guys are striking out 140, 150 times before the all-star break. And the only time I struck out 100 times in a season was my rookie year, and it was like 102 or 103. And that was for the whole year. And other than that, I never struck out 100 times in the big leagues. And I played, you know, 18 years in the majors. And, you know, you're, you're talking about getting 600, 5, 6, 700 at-bats and just putting the ball in play and making something happen. And I think that mentality for me uh, started in, you know, in college with, you know, Coach Stanky and Coach Kittrell and those guys, the way, you know, the game was played at South Alabama. And that carried over to me, and it really helped me in the, you know, going through the minor league system and getting to the major leagues. Louis, what did you think when you heard about the Oriole Pirate game yesterday, which supposedly ended after the uh, top half of the ninth, but they wanted to continue playing another half inning, and the umpires left the field, so the catcher did the balls and strikes calls. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I, <laughs> I saw that. I think the umpires, usually before the game, uh, well, I mean, they wanted to hit in the bottom half of the inning, and I think both both coaches said it was okay, but the umpires just said, hey, the game's over. We're out of here. I don't think they, you know, wanted to stick around for that extra half inning. I don't know if their uh, bosses are going to be happy with that or not, so we'll see uh, in the next few days if they say anything to those guys for, for doing that, especially with fans in the stands, you know? Well, here's here's where Ronnie and I disagree. I I cannot stand that runner at second base to start the uh, extra innings. Coach uh, thinks they should put runners at second and third. Uh, you need points. Runs, they're runs. You know, Louis was, was talking about shorting the time an hour, uh, one one way or the other. But even if you go from three and a half to two hours, you got to have more than one to nothing score. There's hardly anyone nothing scores anymore. Oh man! <laughs> well, I, I had all I had proposed that uh, you know because they had been doing this rule with the man on second last year too, and um, I, I said let let it go three more innings, you know, and then because it's one more turn around, you know, there's nine hitters in the lineup. If they go one, two, three, they get three innings. After that, usually most games end within that three innings. But if, if they go longer than that, uh, then you can go ahead and put the guy on second. Because I hate, at the end of the season, I know you play a lot of games, and, and we always say, hey, the games in April and May are just as important as they are in uh, you know August and September. But you know if you're getting down to nitty-gritty time in the last month of the season, it's hard to you know say, hey, we've lost three games in this month, and two out of the three were – with a man on second already where you felt like they didn't even earn their way to get the guy there. They bunted him over and you end up losing the game on a sack fly or something like that. So those, those have been the tough games to watch things like that. But um, I think it's, it's going to alleviate anyway that, that rule because of the simple fact that games are going to be a lot faster, a lot crisper. 
and um, you know, hopefully it'll it'll bring more fans to come watch the game. I mean, my gosh, they got about thirteen pitchers on a roster. You know, I have a novel idea. Why don't you let a guy pitch more than one inning these days? Yeah, and, and you know that, and that's been the thing, Lee. I think too, and Ronnie is. Uh, uh, you know, the, the games, some of them have been really tight, and then you get like that, and then there's been some blowout games where position players end up pitching, and I think what that's what they want to try to alleviate is getting to the point where the position guys have to throw because coaches have been more trying to save arms for the games that they need them, and once the game gets to be kind of a blowout game or something, then you see a lot of those uh, position guys go out there and throw, and we're trying to you know, keep it from being, uh, you know, people pay a lot of money to come out and see these games, and you don't want it to to get out of hand and where guys or fans go, man, they're they're not even, you know, pitching pitchers. They're throwing position guys. We don't, you know, we want to respect the game too. Louie, I have a question. Being from Houston, uh, can uh, the Strohs, can they win it again? Well, you know better than I would, you know, being down at San Jack when you were down there, they they – they, they've done a great job. Dusty Baker is... Uh, Rogers with eight points at the buzzer, the heave, and it goes down. I believe he did. I believe he got it off in time, too. It looked like they did. Nick. Nick, help me out. Who was that? I know that was a highlight. Was that college that was Bucknell's Elvin Edmonds hitting a shot from the opposite free throw line Ronnie do you ever do that hit hit a shot from the opposing free throw line like that guy did for Bucknell yesterday come on you got to get close to the microphone come on where are you going no no uh I I never had did that I don't know if I had the strength to do it that far did you ever can we I ever have a buzzer beater like about midcourt Coach a game like that, win or lose? Yeah, we in my coaching career we had quite a few of those. Uh, actually, the last time we played at uh, in Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, they hit one at the buzzer and beat us. And then we went down and played Denver, and we hit one at the buzzer to beat Denver by one. So I guess turnabout's fair play. Thoughts on the NCAA tournament this year? Do you, is there a team out there? Uh, yesterday. Sister Jean, you know, Sister Jean, mm-hmm. she picked Kentucky to win. We had a couple of people on yesterday that picked Alabama. If you were going to pick a team to win this year's NCAA, who would it be? Well, when I get to my brackets, which this year, your brackets, good luck on your brackets because because of the parity in games, there's going to be some major, major upsets uh, in these tournaments. Uh, I, there's not a school in the country right now that would want to play Texas Tech. Texas Tech has lost probably five or six games by one or two points. Uh, those those, those uh, guys, I feel sorry for them. They're 16 and 13, 5'11". They went for a while with not winning a game uh, in the Big 12. But nobody wants to play them because they'll play you hard and it'll go right down to the wire. There's three schools that I'm going to pick. And then I'm gonna have to decide which one I'm going to when I see the brackets huh? when they when they come out uh, from Houston. So I'm rooting for the Cougars. I live in Alabama. I'm rooting for Alabama. But I didn't think that a named school had a chance 
to win it all this year. I didn't think North Carolina was going to win. I didn't think Duke was going to win. I didn't think any of the big-name schools. Kansas is starting to play very well. You don't want to go up against my man, Coach Self, uh, with all the experience that he has. And I think that they've right now has got a chance. And uh, those three schools, I think, have the best chance. And then I'll pick my major one after I see the brackets. Yeah, and the, uh, the, the Kentucky is now starting to trend a little bit better. Obviously, they were on the bubble for a while, but I think they're off the bubble. I think they're a shoo-in to get to the tournament. Yeah, I do, I do too. I, I think that they've done a good enough job. I just don't know if they've got enough outside scoring uh, to be able to win the whole thing. Is there more parity in college basketball these days? Absolutely. Because, uh, you know, of the new rules that they put in, uh, there's absolutely no question that the parity, because you can go out and get players. uh, Now, to me, to me, the biggest rule change that has emphasized all this moving around stuff is that you can transfer and be eligible right away. Okay, uh, the rest of them, the NIL and, and those are, are important. But there would be kids, even if they got thousands of more dollars to go to another school, if they had to sit a year like it used to be, they wouldn't be transferring a lot of them the way that they are now. Ronnie Arrow sitting in for Mark Heim today. So glad to have the winningest South Alabama basketball coach with us. The only coach to coach the Jags to an NCAA tournament win. What keeps you busy these days? I thought I thought we were going to have two wins. I, we went down to the wire with Michigan. I thought we were going to get them, but uh, Glenn Rice decided Do you still think about Glenn Rice? Yeah, I do. I have nightmares against that guy. Junior, I, I see, Coach, I went around the pick. I went through the pick. And that Miller kid, I just can't get around him. And uh, Glenn Rice said enough's enough at the end, and he had three threes, and that was it. But to answer, well, hold on one second. So, if we had won that game, who would we have played next? You know, I can't even remember who. uh, That was the '89. My brain went dead after we got beat. I didn't know who we were going to play. But uh, what a great run we had! Uh, Like I tell everybody, enjoy your journey because it goes quickly. And most coaches would probably tell you, you really can't feel the whole whelm of the thing that goes down while you're winning and while you're playing because it goes by so fast and there's so much pressure and there's so much different things going on to uh, to do it. But, no, I can't, I can't remember who. What keeps you busy these days? What keeps me busy is, and I really enjoy doing the skill work that I do with kids. It keeps me in. I'm only doing it uh, three days a week now. We do it sun, uh, Sundays and Mondays in Mobile and uh, – we, we had been doing it at Nowood Church, and uh, then we went over to Covenant uh, Church because they were redoing the floor at Nowood. Really nice court now. We'll be back there Sunday starting back. But uh, we do it Sundays and Mondays uh, in Mobile and then across the bay on Tuesdays at uh, Fairhope United Methodist Church. And uh, we've really, really increased. We're just now getting – our kids, our older kids back because they've got a crazy rule here in Alabama. If you play uh, while you play from the seventh grade to the 12th grade uh, during your school year, you can't go to an outside coach uh, until from your first game to your last game unless you just coach one 
person or you coach the whole team. So right now I'm starting to get our older kids back uh, because they had been playing their games. Uh, if you're interested, uh, second grade through 12th grade, uh, you can uh, uh, get in touch with me, ronniearrow at gmail.com, and uh, we'll, we'll get you going. You can't play the game if you don't have skills, and we strictly do skills. Somebody asked me, Coach, you don't do a lot of defensive work. I said, if we did just defensive work, nobody would show up. Uh, everybody wants to score. Everybody wants to be able to get to the hole and score. Everybody wants to shoot threes. I call those with my little bunch the, the hernia shot. They'll tr go out there and jack those threes. They can barely get them up there shooting it from their hips. But they know now when they come into the gym, the younger bunch, they get in there and work on their form. We're running out of time. I was going to ask you, why do kids – I get kids. Why do basketball players during pregame warmups go out there and shoot nothing but threes and dunks when they rarely do it during the game? Because they go to the NBA, in my opinion, they go to the NBA games, they get there 20 minutes before game time, and they see these guys jacking threes. If they would go two hours before game time and watch them shooting about three foot under uh, around the goal, they would see that they're getting their shooting eye. But when they see them, they're all out there jacking. So in their minds, they show up to the gym and they start jacking threes just like the NBA guys do. One more hour to go with uh, Ronnie Arrow. Uh, he'll talk to uh, Jeff Hodge. Oh, that should be good. 8.30, Chris Stewart of the Alabama Crimson Tide is next as the uh, opening kickoff on March 1st continues on WNSP and WNSP.com. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. We're into our third hour. It's certainly been a pleasure to have Ronnie Arrow sitting in with me as Mark is up in Birmingham as the McGill girls will take the floor in about an hour uh, against Hazel Green, a team that's won five straight championships, Ronnie. I've, I've been called a lot of things in my life, but I had never been called Mark Heim. Uh, that, and yeah, you don't want that me. hanging over you. You don't want that hanging <laughs> over does, it. He does. I tell you what, he is a warrior when it comes to McGill and actually uh, high school basketball. Well, we certainly hope the best for McGill today and the, the boys taking boys the floor girls. at 1030 or give or take. So hopefully we'll have some victories today. UMS Wright girls were defeated yesterday. Uh, the other story we're talking about, Nate Oates at his press conference took the blame for the pre-game introductions. Uh, he explained, he the players explained to him what it was. And in case you missed that, um, he says uh, during the conversation as he talked to the press yesterday, he's, and this was with the, the pat down on Brandon Miller, and Oates said the players told him the intro was uh, simulating a person getting aboard a flight. Uh, Oates said the players explained that it was like when TSA checks you before you go to a plane. You're familiar with that, going through security and all that kind of garbage. 
well, it's not garbage. I shouldn't say that word. I mean, it's there's a reason for it. I, I take that word back. And then uh, Oates said that uh, they they then felt that with, with Brandon Miller, which he wasn't aware of, that when he came out and they patted him down, that Brandon was cleared for takeoff. So that that was the gist as he was, you know, getting into the Auburn-Alabama game. And speaking about that, tonight, 6 o'clock, the vocal from Chris Stewart. Chris is on the air with us right now. Chris, good morning. How are you today? Guys, I am great. Uh, I am having I'm having flashbacks to earlier in my career, though, when you uh, you mentioned McGill because I was my first job out of college. I was sports editor for a community paper called the Over the Mountain Journal when Philip Murphy was playing at Homewood High School. Oh my god! And I covered I covered Philip. Uh, as a junior and senior, was friends with his dad, Basil, who's a great guy. was a great guy. Um, but also, Coach Arrow, I, I think we've met a time or two. It's been a while. But you were, you were coaching in the coldest basketball game I ever called in my life. <laughs> you ready for this? Where is that? You ready for this? I was doing the play-by-play for Birmingham Southern 22 years ago. We came to Corpus Christi and played your A&M Corpus Christi squad in that old civic center that had the ice rink underneath. And at my broadcast spot, I think we had a thin piece of the padding that covered the ice, and then you put the floor on top of it. Yes. And, man, them loafers I had on that day, standing on that patch of ice, sitting on that patch of ice, I about froze to death doing a doing a college basketball game in Corpus Christi, Texas. You, you, that's, a long, that's a long time ago, Coach. Yeah, it, it really was. It's uh, unfortunate that you weren't there when they uh, built the new arena uh, right I downtown. Heard it's gorgeous. Oh, it's good. The whole I front part's gorgeous. glass facing the ocean. It's, it's, first, yeah, it's first class. But you forgot to mention. That's awesome. Yeah, I used to call that the cold dome. No, uh, it was great. They they had on both ends. You forgot to mention the two big attic fans that were blowing cross <laughs> to keep the condensation. Uh, I tried to get Basketball. Billy Tubbs to bring um, his Oklahoma team there, and he said, "Ronnie, why would I want to go somewhere where I'm going to get hit with two attic fans during the game?" So yeah, you're you're right. Uh, uh, it was cool in there. Basketball game, only basketball game where you could take the wind in the second half. It was, uh, it was, it was it's good to, good to hear your voice, Coach. Yeah, I love having Chris on the, the reminiscing because I remember we went out. I was broadcasting. I think we played St. Louis on the road. And that was at the place they had the hockey games. And the same thing with Chris. I was freezing during that game because we were on top of the ice. Yeah. 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 Couldn't wait to get out of there. Chris, Auburn tonight. Uh, you win, you clinch. Yeah. It's uh, it's exciting. And you already wrapped up. The, you've already got, a, you know, the league title. You got a piece of it at a minimum. But this is the this is one of the times, like in the movie Wall Street, uh, greed is good. And you, you don't want to share it with anybody. And if you can celebrate it in home in front of your your fans, that'd be great. You know, it'd be the second time in three years that Alabama's been able to um, to win an SEC regular season title, and you know, it was, it was really tough two years ago. One of the one of so many things that we missed with COVID, besides the the obvious, which is most important, the life and death things, but the normalcy of life and 
that Alabama team clinched the crown in Starkville against Mississippi State. But when they came back, you only had 20% capacity in the building. And, and when they beat Auburn to finish the regular season, they did cut down the nets, but it was, it had already been, the title had already been won. Uh, this is an opportunity to win it uh, outright to secure the fact that you would be exclusive uh, champions and not have to share it with the soul or no risk of sharing it with anybody. And you can celebrate it in front of what is a packed house. I've already gotten several text messages. No, I do not have any tickets left. So, um, <laughs> he, so, uh, and I've already popular. heard mobile from a couple of friends down there. So I wish I could help everybody, but it's a, uh, it, it could be a great environment, which for Auburn, I know they'll be playing it in their locker room as it's a great opportunity to be the spoiler. And that's the way it should be for that side of it. So, um, I'm very much looking forward to what that environment's going to be like at tip-off tonight. Being being from Houston, uh, two of my favorite teams is is Houston and Alabama. And I get asked with people knowing that I live in Alabama now, uh, I get asked all the time, is Alabama mature enough because you've got some good, uh, good young kids? Are they mature enough to be able to win the whole thing? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Coach, um, I will say this. If, and, and you know far better than I because you've, you've been in those, those practice gyms and the locker rooms and in the, in the arena itself as a participant. But if you can go and win in Houston, Texas, in the environment that Alabama did when you're down 17 in the second half to that bunch, um, that said a lot to me. Yeah. And the fact that they have followed that up with some wins that were about as impressive. I mean, the, the, the night that they beat Auburn at Auburn, the Tigers were really good. They may not have been the best version of themselves, but they were pretty close. And, and, I, and I'll take it a step further, Coach. The other night against Arkansas, or the other day against Arkansas, you're a team that that relies as much on the three-point shot as Alabama does because their offense is really designed for layups, threes, or free throws. And you only make three of 22 in a ball game. You don't score at all for the first three-plus minutes of the game, and yet you still finish with 86 points and beat a team as talented as Arkansas. That's that to me, speaks volumes about who they are and what they are and what they can be. We've also seen them on their worst day. I mean, you <laughs> you, you lay an egg and a half against our uh, Oklahoma, uh, scored 90 against Gonzaga but didn't defend and get beat. You gave up 100. Um, they are certainly fallible, but when they are anywhere close to their best, they have left – utter destruction in their wake you know, uh, to beat some teams that they have the way they have. So right. I think they are, they're as dangerous as anybody. 
one of one of the things that I would tell people when they would say that they're young and you, you know uh, y'all have come back from being down in a whole lot of games to win games. But one of the things that I used to that I would tell people when where they or th this was at start of the season after three or four or five games, uh, they would say, "Well, they're so young," and I would say, "Hey, on the positive side of that, a young team is just going to get better and better." And I think that's what Alabama has done. Yeah, I agree, Coach. And, I've, you know, some people looked at me like I had about seven or eight heads when I when they were winning big and only had one loss or two, whatever it was. And I said, I don't think they've, I don't think they've come close to what the ceiling is. Uh, you got to remember, you got 11 scholarship guys on the roster right now, and it wasn't until about a month ago that they had all of them healthy at one time. I mean, Dom Welch was a starter in the exhibition game. Took a month and a half before he could get on the floor um, coming back from the injury and now struggles to find minutes. You've, uh, you've had, you know, Javon Quinterly, who was coming back from the knee injury and came back so much quicker than people thought he'd be able to, but really didn't become a 100% version of himself until the last couple of weeks or so. And now we saw Saturday what he looks like when he's when he's let loose and, and taking care of the ball and, and just so loose and free. Um, and I could go through with, with several other guys that have been back. You know, um, Namari Burnett was a starter and a, the best perimeter defender. And we don't win against Houston without him, but he got hurt in that game had to uh, had to miss about five weeks, and you get him back, but the, he can't get the starting spot. Not that the great thing is he's so unselfish; he doesn't care if he starts or not. But you know, finding finding the role and that changes game by game, and that to me is what makes this squad so dangerous: is that they can play so many different ways with so many different weapons, all of whom are good enough to start at just about every other program in the country, but they're patient. They're ready when their opportunity comes. And I, you know, I don't know. I think they've, when I say they've hit their ceiling, it's hard to say you'd be a whole lot better than they were the night they beat Vanderbilt by 57 and, uh, you know, LSU by 40 plus. And I think they've won three games by 40 plus. And that doesn't include a 27 point win over Kentucky for crying out loud. So they've been, they've been obviously uh, beyond good on their best night, but can they sustain that in this final week? Can they do it in Nashville? And what does it look like when we get to the NCAA tournament? That'll be the determining factor as to, to how this team is fully remembered. Is the worst part of the Miller situation over with? Coach, I think so. And I, and so. I think – I don't think there is anything about it from my understanding that came as a major revelation. Uh, you know, Alabama's Alabama's gone through a lot. Uh, and I'm just speaking from the basketball standpoint. That's all I'm talking about is the basketball perspective. It has been quite a um, – it's been quite a spotlight. And if they were 500, the spotlight 
wouldn't be as bright, but that's not the case. They're one of the top two teams in the country. They're probably going to be, if they win out, they'll be the national number one seed. Um, and you've got the guy who's, I think, the player of the year in the country. And that's why the spotlight is as bright as it is. But I also know the people in the athletic department, including Nate Oates. And if they thought that there was more to this than what has been out there, then that young man would not be playing right now, would not be part of it. So uh, I think I think that conversation will continue because Alabama will continue to be in the spotlight and and I, you know I've well, you been on that bet. side of it. I understand the storyline. You can bet. I don't think it's been reported fairly and accurately uh, in all cases, but I do understand. Yeah. Why it's a story. You can bet across the country when you go play people, the, unfortunately the people in the stands aren't going to forget it. But on the flip side yeah. of that, I think that Coach Oates, it's a very, very unfortunate situation. But I think Coach Oates has handled it with class. He's He hasn't hidden from it. He's taken blame when he thought he needed to. And I thought the whole situation was handled uh, the best that – Uh, let's bring in Roy Hudson from Community Bank. Uh, he's a winner, as we heard some NBA as a winner. Ron Arrow sitting in with me, and we still have a lot to get to in addition to um, Jeff Hodge, who is our scheduled guest at 8.30. That should be fun to hear you and Jeff reminisce a little bit. You know, we're into March Madness. Let's talk to Roy Hudson, though, of Community Bank. Roy, good morning. How are you today? Hello? Roy? Yeah, hey, good morning. How are you? Great to have you on with us. We've been talking a lot of basketball as we get ready. Auburn's got a a, – they got a biggie. Uh, Hopefully they can either beat Alabama or Tennessee and secure their place in the NCAA tournament. But we know this. Community Bank has secured its place as a bank unlike others. Why is that? Oh, Lee, I think it's uh, it's our products and our services. That's our well-trained, seasoned bunch of uh, bankers that we have. I think Coach uh, Arrow sitting in there with you. He'll tell you that when he looks down the bench and sees a, a talented group, that's what we have here at Community Bank, just a, a talented uh, bunch of bankers. So when you call on them, they're ready to serve. And I invite everyone in to come and, and speak one of one of our bankers. I thought you were going to say that I owed you money. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all, but uh, we can make that happen. <laughs> I'll pass. <laughs> Roy, has the, uh, has the new bank coming along? Oh, it's coming along nice. We saw some pictures the other day, and uh, hopefully we'll have that open in a, a few months down at uh, the Gulf Shores area. So for all of our listeners and your listeners that that uh, go down there on the weekends during the summer, they'll have a uh, a place to go uh, going down there on a Friday to uh, do some banking if they need to. Good time to invest now in banking because aren't the interest rates a little bit better? <clears throat> Yeah, it is a great time to come in and get some CDs. And another thing that's happening right now, Lee, in March, we typically see a lot of people come in and get IRAs. 
for retirement planning and uh, tax planning. So we have a great rate out there right now of 5% on new contributions only, but uh, that is a fantastic rate uh, for people to take advantage of. So invite them in. Very good. Hey, Roy, it's a pleasure to have you on with us. We'll check in with you next week. Thank you so much, Roy Hudson with Community Bank. Ronnie, tell our listeners how they can come to one of your many, many clinics uh, that you have been doing for years now. Well, uh, on Tuesday, or on, I'm sorry, on Sundays and Mondays, we do it in Mobile. Uh, we'll be back at Norwood Church. Uh, Covenant Church was nice enough to let us use their church uh, while Norwood was redoing their floor, and I appreciate it. And then on uh, Tuesday nights, we're across the bay uh, at Fairhope United Methodist Church. And you can contact me, uh, grades 2 through 12. We get them started the right way with their skill work uh, at ronniearrow at gmail.com, uh, which has been uh, – uh, I, I enjoying doing that. We've, we've had kids that have gotten some scholarships. Uh, we've had some kids that have gone from not starting to starting – uh, I think we still have uh, two girls. We have we, we have two girls at McGill that's playing on the team, and uh, the, the game today. Guy. Yeah, oh, we wow. have one girl. I mean, one guy on the guys' team. So we we we're we're starting to venture out now. Our younger kids are getting older and getting in high school. And uh, Coach Richardson, uh, who does AAU work. Put on a tournament this past weekend for all stars for uh, the eighth graders, which was really good. Ronnie Arrow and yours truly, Lou Shervani, along with Nick Wiggins. We got about 30 more minutes to go. It's 8:30. Expected to be joined by Jeff Hodge. Yeah, that's Coach Robinson, not Coach Richardson. Coach gotcha. Robinson. Thanks. Does Ron. a lot for AU work here. So, Nick, you couldn't find my call? <laughs> they don't have it in historically preserved. My call was good. Hey, the end result That's stayed right. the same, no matter you who know, called it. People forget, though, that after Jeff sank the three-pointer, there was still six seconds to go. And was it Askew that had like a foul line jump shot that just rolled just out? Rimmed out. Rimmed yeah. out. But Jeff got back with Gabe. And if those two wouldn't have got back, we had our freshman, Derek Turner. He's celebrating like we won. And Jeff, after he made the bucket, had the ability in mind to get back with Gabe, and they stopped the shot. I never asked Wim Sanderson this, but I have a feeling that has to be one of his worst losses ever, ever. Do you ever talk to him? Yeah, yeah, you know, I don't see him much. I saw him at the state tournament two or three, four years ago and talked to him, and I saw him at one of the Alabama games. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't I don't get a chance to see him very much. But, you know, good for us that we won. And, uh, you know, when I did my vertical at midcourt there and went over and shook his hand, 
uh, I was I was a lot happier than he was. I know you were, and you. Why don't you introduce our next guest? Well, you know, I, I I'm not known as the coach at South Alabama. I'm known as the coach that coached peanut butter and jelly. And uh, uh, Jeff, you there? Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, uh, remember that that old show? You're old enough to remember Car 54. Where are you? Yep. You remember that one? Right now, yes, it's sir. Junie. Where are you? I, I tried. <laughs> I tried all day yesterday to uh, get them that number that you gave me and another number I had, but I hadn't been able to get them. I, I wish. Yeah, that, we could that, have had that's that's a hard man to uh, keep up with right there. Yeah, well, it's always good to to talk to you and reminisce about the year that uh, that we had. What a phenomenal year! Just tell us a little bit about. Uh, I know your life changed uh, after you made that shot, especially back in in Birmingham and in Alabama. Uh, that was one of the exciting years we had. Uh, you know, coming into that year, you know, we didn't know what to expect. Uh, we had a great team, but we didn't know how far that we can go. Um, you know, going down the stretch, you know, uh, planning the Sunday tournament in Charlotte, and you know that was just kind of a lead point to where we was headed. Um, getting into that tournament, I think that was the one key point. They they placed us with Alabama because we always wanted to do a a four game tournament uh, to help benefit you know some type of organization. But you know, coming into that, it was just you know looking for that game there, and my friends here in Birmingham and. I know I lost a couple of friends after that shot, but, you know, <laughs> after the years went on, I think we became closer friends after that. Well, there's no – I don't know if you remember this, but when I took the job, uh, you know, I had talked to Junie. Junie was, oh, yeah, we're going to come back. We're going to win, and, and everything was rosy. But when I went down to visit you at your home, uh, you weren't there. Uh, your mom and I had a great conversation. I knew that she was uh, wanting to come back, but uh, you weren't there. And I was thinking, uh oh, uh, where is he going? Because I knew that your brother had played at Auburn. I didn't know if Sonny had tried to get you or not, but uh, we're very happy that you decided to come back. And, uh, you know, with the NIL now, with Jeff and Junie, uh, Peanut Butter and Jelly, uh, I think. I think he used to mess with me. I think Junie used to mess with me and change the name. You became Jelly, and he became just to see where if I knew who was whom. Yeah, you know, he, he was always a joker, you know. <laughs> but that was one of the uh, the great accomplishments that we had back then. You know, we came up with that name there, and I think every city that we went to, I think everybody was like, here they come, peanut butter jelly. I was going to be able to stop And it was just kind of exciting, you know, to get on the court and, you know, see people cheering for us. And, and after the game, they always asked about that, you know, who came up with the idea and uh, who created all this. And I was like, well, you got to talk to Junior about all that because, you know, he was sitting around the dorm room one day and just said, we need a nickname, you know, to help us out, you know. You know, we come into our senior year. We need a little publicity, and I think that'll help us. I'm like, what did you come up with peanut butter and jelly at? <laughs> he was like, well, you know, peanut butter and jelly, you know, I kind of stick to people, and you jelly, you just kind of bounce off. <laughs> <laughs> and you know he was right. Uh, Junie, Junie definitely hit it on the head about the, the name. And even today, even today, you mentioned South Alabama and the winning season, and the first thing that comes to mind is peanut butter and jelly. 
there's there's no question about it. Tell tell us tell us the, tell the audience. You know, pretty much. Do you think that you felt like that we could have the year that we had uh, that year, and with a, just a little bit of help with the basketball gods, we were right there to beat Michigan. Oh yeah, I, I thought we had a great team. You know, coming to that season and, and the schedule that we had, um, facing some of the, the competitors that we had, you know, with with uh, VCU, and then we faced Charlotte, and then we faced Jacksonville, and the guys that they had on their team. I thought that you know, looking at our squad that we had, you know, we had one of the smallest big men that could nobody stop in our conference. You know, he wasn't the biggest guy, but. He knew how to play the game. I think he had some of the best footwork in college basketball, and I think that's what helped us out a lot. Everybody talks about peanut butter and jelly, but I think uh, your coaching staff and the way you coached those guys and the, the time that you brought guys into the game and the time you pulled people out, I think that really benefited because we throwed a lot of people off with the, the size of our team and the way we played. When we signed Gabe, I thought that that was the – missing ingredients that we had uh, as far as toughness. I thought that he would bring the toughness, which he, which he did. And then the other thing, you know, I don't know if we were the first, but we were one of the first, I'll put it like that, to run a three-guard offense. And actually, Coach, we're, how are you playing three guards? And uh, truthfully, that was just junior college basketball. Uh, you played with, with more guards than, than post. And uh, in – that situation with uh, uh, peanut and peanut butter and jelly, uh, we had some really good guards to be able to do what we did. Oh, yes, we did. And, and that just kind of throws a lot of teams off because, you know, a lot of teams, like you said, they want to try to run three bigs down the middle. You can't run three bigs when you're running three small guards, you know. And, and the way we played, getting up and down the floor, it was hard for a big man to try to stick with Junie. And then you try to put one on, on Terrence Peanut, it's hard to do that, you know. And then you put one on me, and it's hard to do that because we don't stay still. The type of offense that you ran was very impressive. Uh, it was one of the ones that I don't care how well you try to guard it, you couldn't stop it because you got big men that's on the block setting great picks for us on the end. So that really helped out. You know, one of the biggest things for that uh, team that year is when I brought Junie in and said, Junie, we have got to play you at the point guard spot. And I think the way that I sold it to him, he, 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 cause I, I just told him you have no chance of making the NBA, uh, at the three spot, which is what he was because he was a slasher. He was a rebounder. He was a great athlete. Now at the point guard spot, you have a chance to play in the NBA and boy, right. his eyes perked up. And uh, I said, that ball is going to be in your hands. That doesn't mean it stays in your hands every time we bring the ball down the court. You're going to have some good players to, to pitch to and to throw into. And he bought into it. That was the biggest change of a position uh, maybe in my coaching career. And uh, he was able to get you uh, the ball a lot of times and the guards and the postmen. Yeah, but I think um... – with that, you know, uh, that really helped us out a lot. You know, he was one of those point guards that he was real physical at 6'3". You know, a lot of guys didn't see him as being physical, but he really was physical. He can rebound and he can dish and he can, he can make it to the basket. I think the most important thing about our team was I think our bench 
uh, was real impressive throughout the whole season. I think the guys came in and done an incredible job. Uh, you know, you sub out your starters and then you bring in players and we don't skip a beat uh, because we had guys that can really, you know, go to the basket or they can knock down a good 18-foot jump shot, you know. So I think our bench really was the most important part of our team. Jeff Lushervanian, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing all right. How are you? Good to good. hear from you. What you doing these days? How's the family? Uh, family's good. Uh, still working, trying to get to that age where I can retire and call it quits. But uh, it's going to be some years down the road, I think. Uh, my son is coaching uh, up there in Muscle Shoals, and he has a great AAU team that he coaches. Uh, got two grandbabies that I love to death. Uh, very active young men. So, um, wife, um, you know, everything is going well for me. Got to ask you, uh, having fun with this, better three-point shooter, you or Derek Turner? Uh, of course, me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever have contests with him? Oh, you know, we had that all the time in practice. You know, we had a lot of guys that thought they could shoot three, but I could, you know, but I always have to shut them down every now and then. Yeah, I mean, uh, those were two really good shooters. I've been blessed in my coaching career to have some really good shooters, and uh, you and him were definitely two of the better ones uh, that that uh, played for me. Tell us, uh, tell us, because I know a lot of people here uh, ask all the time. I, I know uh, Junie has been successful in having a custodial service uh, up around Pittsburgh, his, his hometown. And tell us, tell us exactly what you do for a living. Well, I work for a company called Consolidated Power. Uh, I've been with them for about 22 years now. Um, and we're kind of affiliated with the nuclear and power plants, if everybody knows anything about it. Uh, we're kind of the middle people distribution for the nuclear plants across the United States and across the country. We supply parts to them for the nuclear industry. So uh, I've been here 22 years, warehouse manager, um, trying to head on to that retirement day one day. It ain't bad. It's not bad. <laughs> retirement <laughs> retirement is, is pretty good, but I'm lucky to stay in with the uh, lessons that I give. Uh, how often how often do you get down here? Uh, have you have you kept up with the Jags? Oh yeah, I, I kept I keep up with them all the time. Hadn't been into a game this year. Uh, my schedule has been really crazy, uh, but I'm, I'm planning on getting down there this year for some football games and some basketball games this year. So. Um, but I always come through that way, you know. Sometimes I go on vacation, I head down to New Orleans. But um, I hadn't been to a game yet, but I'm planning on making it this year, and especially to some football games. Jeff, uh, while we had you on, I've gone back in history to take a look at the stat sheet back in 88-89. You were like 48% shooting from the three-point line. That's outstanding. That's, that's unreal. Oh. Well, you know, that's why I shot through high school. Uh, that's basically, we didn't even have the three back when I was in high school. And then uh, my sophomore year, when it came around with the three-point line, you know, that's when it increased all my average and everything. But, you know, that's basically why I shot all my balls from. Um, like I said, me and Derek Turner used to compete every day in practice on, you know, who can shoot it and where we can shoot it from. And I think with him being so competitive, you know, he, he can shoot it deep. I'm talking about he can go back there and he can shoot it. <laughs> without a beat, but, uh, you know, that's basically where all the offense that I created, I go off a pick. Hey, uh, story I didn't mention, but speaking about the Eagles, they've promoted uh, Brian Johnson, offensive coordinator. He was Jalen Hurts' 
quarterback coach. But here's a fascinating story. When Brian Johnson, who's now the Eagles offensive coordinator, he was coached in high school by Jalen Hurts' dad. Oh, wow. Isn't that something? Yeah. Uh, Nick, what's the podcast this week about? Oh, you know, just looking ahead at all the exciting games. Um, Both conferences are real neck and neck. You got about a four-game difference between your four seed and your ten seed, just about. Um, You know, you you talk about players kind of taking time off and not playing defense. Well, they're, they're, they're locking in now. All the past couple NBA games that have been played, they felt they've they've been like a playoff game atmosphere because the players are locked in. They know every game matters. So we're going to be talking about that. Uh, Jimmy Butler, the the 176 to 175 game with the Clippers, the Hawks, Quinn Snyder, just you know all type of stuff. And that's going to be when it's going to be Thursday at noon. You and Stephen Root. That's all right. right. You ever do a podcast? No. Here, he's the guy. Nick's yeah. the guy. In case you want to latch on, yeah. Ronnie, uh, I have been on some, but I don't. Know. We had the Baker coach uh, Dave Armstrong join us head on uh, last week on our championship drive. Question we raised to him: the difference between the northern schools in Alabama in basketball versus down here, and why the northern schools dominate. He really got into it, and w- one of the key issues he brought up, the facilities, that they have so many more facilities up there for kids to go out and play and practice. I know we've had you on the show many times talking about your efforts. Is anything getting done? Do we Have we improved at all? One of the hardest things for what I do with skill development is finding gyms, uh, and I know other coaches have said that uh, also. Richard Robinson that does is very good very good at AAU tournaments. He'll put on a tournament, a good tournament in this area, and he has uh, AAU teams. It's hard to get gyms. Now, when I was at San Jacinto outside of Houston, one of the TV people in Houston told me, Ronnie, now Texas is known for football too. Basketball is getting ready to take off in the state. I said, well, why is that? He said, for two reasons. We're getting NBA pro teams, and the other thing, which it really didn't know, more and more cities are starting to build outside courts. And if you look at it from where you come from, you got guys playing in the winter out on outside courts. And I'll be doggone if he wasn't right. Within two years, basketball had picked up so much, so much. I think if there was more outdoor courts, uh, they they would get involved more. Um uh, when Richard does his AAU stuff, he starts out with young kids and gets them playing games and doing it. And the skill work that I do, grades 2 through 12, we get them going on the right way. You can't play the game unless you know the game. Uh, you got to learn the game to play the game. And that's what we try and do with our early development in second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, and bring it on up. We have an elite camp also. But I think that this area, uh, because of the uh, what we do with skill development and others, because of AAU, I think we're catching up to the northern bunch. But do we, aside from Sage, do we have any outdoor courts? I don't think so. That's what I mean. I mean and Dave was right on. And a couple of the church, a couple of the churches have some outdoor courts. But overall, if they were to build more outside courts, 
watch basketball take off. How involved is that? Uh, you know, obviously, to me, being very simplistic, you just put a slab of cement down, right, and a couple of baskets. Is well, that, you know, is you that very costly? Yeah, yeah I would. Uh, it's like anything else. It's costly. It's not costly for the ones that are interested in it. Uh, a lot of it would have to be the city coming through. Now, all of a sudden, when you do that, uh, you're going to have to shut them down because you're going to have issues with uh, uh, discipline out there. So somebody's got to run them. So more and more, uh, if there's more outside courts, the better. But I've seen an influx. You know, just like David, he had number one score in the nation this year. David does a good job as well as a whole lot of high school coaches uh, here. But it's got to continue, and it's got to continue to take steps up. And uh, these these young kids have got to be able to understand that if you can't just wish to be good, hope to be good, you got to deserve to be good. You got to get in that gym. You got to get skill development as you get older. You need weight training to develop your body. And uh, good things will happen in basketball. All right. We had some interviews today with Jeff Hodge. We had Luis Gonzalez. Uh, we talked to them. Uh, Bob Rathbun, uh, Chris Stewart, and Nick. If anybody missed those and would like to hear them, tell us what they got to do. If they want to hear these interviews, if they missed them, what do they do? Yeah, you can uh, go on your favorite podcast platform. Just search WNSP now and... It'll all be there tomorrow. Okay. One of, one of the other things, too, real quick, one of the things that's helping us, I know I was fortunate to be a part of the M, uh, MCPSS, Mobile County Public School System, uh, games that we televised this year. I think we did eight games this year. And getting more and more of these high school teams on TV builds more and more interest. And uh, we're – uh, as uh, far as I know, we're going to continue to do that. I think they said next year they're going to try and increase it to 10 games. So uh, all of that just brings more and more publicity to high school basketball. Who knew you'd become a media member? <laughs> Who knew? All those my, years my old English teacher in junior high would be proud of me. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Tomorrow, of course, we'll be uh, talking about what goes on today up in Birmingham, the final four games involving McGill girls and boys. We'll uh, obviously with uh, Mark being back tomorrow, he'll he'll give us the lowdown there. Um, Tell we'll him also, he's got a lot to make up for. That's all for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Paul Feinbaum uh, scheduled to join us. Of course, we'll be talking about the Alabama-Auburn basketball game, which takes place tonight on WNSP. So that will be one of our talking points tomorrow as Alabama looks to sweep Auburn this year. But Auburn, they need another win. I, that's what that's what the so-called Brechtologists are saying. They, they've got to, to make sure – that they stay in there. They got to either beat Alabama or Tennessee this Saturday. Tennessee lost their point guard. I don't know if he'll be back. Ziegler. With LeBron uh, going to Auburn, uh, they just they just, I mean LeBaron. I'm Le sorry. LeBron. Le Le no, LeBron. <laughs> LeBaron. Uh, with him going there, he'll bring a whole lot uh, to the table there, scoring wise. A good person and can play the game of basketball. All right. If anybody would like to get to Ronnie's uh, coaching clinics website, Ronnie Arrow at gmail.com or just RonnieArrow.com and it'll tell you about uh, our situations at our camps. Very good. 
All right. And again, uh, tomorrow, uh, Mr. Paul Feinbaum will join us at 7. Uh, we'll have a reporter covering the Alabama-Auburn game. And then uh, Bill Cameron, my good friend up there on Auburn practice. Uh, today they get back on the practice field. We'll catch up on that. Uh, coming up next is the Dan Patrick Show. And then, of course, uh, later on today, Chuck Oliver from 1 to 3. And then Corey Labana, he's still up there in Birmingham. He's a part of the media uh, broadcasting games up there, and he'll have his show right here on WNSP from 3 to 6. Nick, appreciate everything you did. You enjoy yourself today and continued success behind the glass. Ronnie, thank you so much. I really hey, appreciate been it. fun. Appreciate Great it. to have you in here. You yeah. like this stuff? Six o'clock in the morning? It would be morning? better about eight o'clock. <laughs> Six in the morning. Ronnie was early. Maybe the earliest uh, celebrity guest host I've had ever. And you need to be given more awards for being here at 6 o'clock for how many years? 40? 50? Too many. Okay. Not enough. You know, not Not enough. enough. All right. Uh, We'll check in with you tomorrow from 6 to 9 on WNSP and WNSP.com.